Welcome to the Economically Speaking Podcast, hosted by the Town of Babylon IDA CEO, Tom Dolan. Welcome to the first episode of Economically Speaking. My name is Tom Dolan, and I am the CEO of the Town of Babylon IDA. Before I introduce our guest, I just want to share with you a brief outline of what you as a viewer can expect. I want to begin with the end in mind. So what is Economically Speaking, and what is our end goal? Our overall goal here on Economically Speaking is to educate, communicate, and inform the community on all topics related to our local economy. Most of all, to be a resource for the business community that we serve. We look forward to introducing the agency to our listeners and sharing with you the role that we play here at the town and the work that we do. Lastly, we hope to give the community a chance to connect and interact with us as we want to listen to your feedback and know what you want to hear about. In this podcast, you can expect a lot of great segments, so I hope you'll join us throughout this podcast journey and enjoy it as much as we enjoy creating it. I am here today with my friend and guest, Matt McDonough, who is the former CEO of the Babylon IDA and is currently agency counsel. Matt is the founding member of McDonough PLLC. He has experience with economic development, corporate finance, real estate transactions, and complex litigation, including bankruptcy. Welcome to the pack. Podcast. 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 <laughs> How you doing, Matt? That's a good start, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah. No, thanks for being here. Uh, I think it's important that you're here. We, we have a little bit of a history together, and uh, we've been talking about the podcast for a little bit, and I'm happy we are finally here. Yeah. It's been a long time coming. Yeah. No, and absolutely. it's finally here. Episode uh, one. Episode one. Wouldn't spend it any other way. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's costing me lunch today, but uh, that's The okay. least you can do. You like the studio? Looks good. Yeah. Looks we're, good. We're doing okay. So we wanted to kind of give a brief outline and kind of share with people as far as what this podcast is, what they can expect, and, and why we're doing it, you know? And uh, I think that's one of the first things is, you know, why why the podcast? And, you know, conversations we've had in the past, a podcast gives people an opportunity to tune in, not just today or tomorrow, but anytime they, they choose to, they exactly. can kind of tune in and get information. Exactly. and. We thought it would be great to communicate with uh, our residents here in the town uh, and also explore things outside the town. And the name, economically speaking, that lends itself a little bit to our role in the town. Maybe you could just share with everyone a little bit of our role and trying to touch base on that a little bit. As the IDA, we are the economic engine for the town. We are the first line of defense to make sure companies stay here and also companies come here. The town has a lot of industrial stock. That was built right after the Second World War. It's mainly north of the southern state. It's in communities like East Farmingdale, Wyandanche, and Deer Park. Uh, but we also have New Horizons in North Amityville and some areas in West Babylon as well that have this industrial space. Mm-hmm. So we look for the highest and best use for that, which is job-creating industries like pharmaceuticals, nutraceuticals, high-tech. But, you know, there's still some... Uh, leftover industry from Grumman. Even though Grumman left a long time ago and taught us a lot of lessons about economic development, there are still ancillary support um, type machinists who are here. Mm -hmm. So you have all different types from defense contractors and other aeronautic type companies to, you know, things like the pharmaceuticals that we've been looking to incentivize to come. So... Absolutely. When you look at the local economy and beyond, you know, COVID and, and the role that that played here, and we also played a role, and, and you just explained uh, what we do 
kind of in the town as a, as a major part of our, what we do. But also, we played a role in the local downtowns recently. Right. Maybe we could touch. That was something that yeah. you had come up with with the babble on his back. And maybe you could just talk about how we kind of worked through that. I think COVID definitely knocked a lot of people out, but we were going to let it knock us down. And Babylon is back is not only the IDA, it was the town, it was the villages, Amityville, Lindenhurst, and Babylon. It was the chambers of commerce. And we all collectively came together and said, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do to get people back to work safely and how we're going to get people into the stores um, to shop again. And we weren't focused on those industrial spaces. Mm-hmm. We did go talk to those businesses. We offered them assistance. We helped them with federal applications and state applications. We funded part of the New York Loan Forward program uh, with at-risk capital. But in reality, we were focused on the downtowns, getting the outdoor permits, opening small uh, loan facilities so that they could either borrow or maybe seek grants from. We started a PPE program. Uh, you could either take from the stock we had if you were going to be uh, waiting for PPE for too long, or you could get a reimbursement. Um, and then the final thing was a digital reimbursement program. So those were the hard dollar things. Those are the things companies could apply for and receive money or receive, in the case of PPE, the equipment itself. But we also came in with this education component, and that's another big outreach tool that we have. We use staff to, one, go and talk to businesses door-to-door, Gave them signs to hang up about keep six feet socially distant, wear your mask, wash your hands, um, and the information about what the state's guidelines were because the state required businesses to sign off that they had read, understood, and would implement the state's requirements. Ignorance of the law is not a justification, right? So if you get pulled over, oh, I didn't know I couldn't do that. The cop's not going to take that as an excuse, nor will a judge. The state's taking it a step further. They're asking you to attest to the fact that you actually did this. Um, And we wanted to make sure businesses knew that because we wanted to protect them um, as best we could. But also make sure that we were providing for the health and safety of employees and shoppers. Because guess what? Those are town residents, and that's what's important. Absolutely. And I can speak firsthand as far as being out there. And, you know, we we were trying to do it in, I remember, such a way where... We were trying to visit either before hours, after hours, to get that information out to them, not to interrupt what business they were trying to do at that time, but the appreciation that they had for what we were delivering was great. And and we piggybacked on that a little bit as far as being a resource with all of those items. Right. And then we did the uh, the Babylon Business Boot Camp because Huge. people... Sort of the precursor to this, right? Is yeah. That, that was sort of Absolutely. the this, this sort of thing. Absolutely. Getting the information out. I mean, you had, uh, for anybody below the age of, you know, I guess 40 who doesn't know who Rudy Rudiger is. uh, (laughs) Oh, I knew this was coming up. Uh, You got to bring it up every once in a while. Um, (laughs) He was back, though. But yeah, it it was a mix of educational programs, what's going on, access to certain things. You know, this thing affected people in different ways, but you have to accept that it affected people mentally. And one of the reasons we brought Rudy in, because he was an, he's an inspirational speaker for businesses. Absolutely. And, and talk uh, about that, being knocked down and getting up. Yeah, and it's, it's getting so, geared up. Yeah, yep. exactly. We looked at businesses. They had to develop new business plans. It yeah. was very instrumental. And uh, I'll give a shout out to uh, Erica Chase over at Farmville Small Business Development Center, who did a great job in helping us put that together. Talking about community, you know, and, and in the community, too, another role that we play, and we'll just, again, touch briefly on it. We've gotten involved in things like the Wounded Warriors, the... Yeah. Uh, now we're doing the hometown heroes. Exactly. If we can help, 
we do our best to do that, even including in Lindenhurst. You know, the varsity uh, team has won several championships, the football team, and we even get donated towards their rings. I mean, that's the level that we are dedicated to the community um, and making sure that we are a positive presence here. Absolutely. And and the business community that we communicate with and their response was, was tremendous. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good corporate citizenship here. You can't deny that. The people really want to get involved. They want to help. Um, year after year, we rose between twelve to $15,000 for the Wounded Warrior Project just from businesses alone. Yeah. Um, and Restaurant Depot, who's on 110, provided all the food uh, that for the event the day of that was a barbecue at the beach. So, right. you know, those are IDA clients. You may not know it. Um, you may not know what they do, but they, just as much as everybody has this hometown pride, they do as well because this is where they come to work. This is where their employees spend most of their day. So it's an important part. Agree. And uh, again, the response has been tremendous. So moving moving a little bit as far as, you know, we want the audience to kind of have a, you know, and that's what this episode is built around as far as what, what they can expect in the future. And obviously, economically speaking, you know, when you when you hear the word economically speaking or the, the, the name of the show, it kind of says a lot. Right. And we're involved with, like you said, all things as it relates to the local economy and, and looking beyond that also. But we touched on a couple of initiatives that hit our local economy here. Another program that you were very involved in an initiative, and we're going to be doing a future episode with uh, Dan Lloyd and Tracy Edwards, was the Economic Inclusion Plan. Mm-hmm. And maybe you could just kind of share with us a little bit as far as how it started and where we are today with that. Right. The Economic Inclusion Plan um, is a response to COVID. It is part of the larger umbrella of Babylon is back. Uh, Dan Lloyd and Tracy Edwards have sort of spearheaded the initiative, and it is a program now of about 35 minority women and veteran-owned businesses who weekly do a peer-to-peer meeting, but also we have partnered with Hofstra, and they'll be doing two programs there where they'll cover social media and advertising and things like that. And we are bringing in that education component to do things like we're doing with Hofstra, but also to talk about how do you keep a general ledger? How do you get credit as a business? Um, and that's a very big, important part of getting to that next level. All these different businesses that we have are from different industries. There are different levels of commercialization. Um, they may be recently formed or they may be around forever. But the uh, one thing we are trying to provide them is a place to talk, a place to learn, and then a place to sort of get certified. So some of them would be eligible for the Minority Women Business Owned Enterprise Certification. And that is required in some state and federal contracts to be certified in some other local government contracts that a certain percentage of the contract needs to go to those businesses. So that's an important certification. Obviously, we would want those folks to get the prime, be the prime contractor on it. But if there's opportunities for subs, you know, this is sort of what you have to go through to get there. And uh, it's also working as an advocate uh, for them I've heard over and over again, because when you're in this sphere, you also are part of the infrastructure talk, third rail, the outflow pipe for the sewage. These are massive infrastructure projects the island's going through. They aren't sexy. No one's going to cut a ribbon at the end. Right. Right? No Mm -hmm. one talks about them, but they are billions of dollars of investment. Long-term investment. We're all going to benefit from it. Right. So to get those minority and women-owned businesses... Here in the town or town residents bidding on those and involved and make sure that those projects aren't seeking waivers because they aren't able to fill the requirement. 
that requires a level of advocacy, but it also requires a level of networking. That's where the IDA sort of can step in. That's where we're also, uh, you know, we have the contacts with lawyers and accountants and real estate brokers sure. and that other professional network. Mm -hmm. That's a big part of being in business. We can facilitate that for them. So this was sort of a, uh, a marriage of all those things. Um, and the last part of it, I think, is what's been publicized the most, is we've leased space in Wine Dance and we've leased space in Amityville Village. Um, and we have put minority-owned businesses in that space and subsidized the rent. Sure. Um, so those uh, locations are filled by sort of what I would call graduates of the program. That's excellent. And uh, we look forward to that program continuing. It's twofold, right? It's also letting our residents see what's happening and how we work to make sure that not just the big businesses and right. that come to the town, but everybody's important. That's correct. That, you know, it kind of affects everybody too, yeah. you know, with these empty storefronts and things right. like that. And at the same time, getting the message out there for maybe somebody who's sitting and is going to listen to this and say, hey, I can qualify for that program, and I'd like to get involved in that. And I right. think this would be a great step for me to take. So, Yeah, the two things great. they can do if they are interested in any of the stuff, whether it's the Battle on His Back program and the Economic Inclusion program, battleonhisback.com will bring you directly to the site. It lists all the different available options, and you know, if you have any questions, you can call the agency. 631-587-3679. 631-587-3679, and we will direct you as best we can and help you out as most as much as we can. Absolutely. You talked a little bit about, you know, some of these larger projects, the, the third rail and, and the impact that will have. And again, these are future shows we're going to do. And one of our upcoming guests uh, is Kyle Strober from ABLI, and he'll be here in the near future. But we're going to be talking about some of the larger projects and then again, how that translates into how that affects us here locally. So we're looking forward to having Kyle. Yeah. But Matt, also I wanted to touch base on some of the other things we've played a role with here in the town, again, future episodes and, you know, housing is, is a big thing. And there are, you know, on one side of the ledger, there's the misconception of why, you know, why is the IDA involved in housing and what's going on there? And do we have too much housing? So we're going to touch on right. those things, but maybe you just right. want to touch on that a little bit because we've had past conversations and how important that subject is. Here. Definitely. Housing is the most, probably the most important issue on its availability, who has access to it. Um, you know, recently the Newsday report that people were being steered based on race to certain areas, that there is still a level, a great level of discrimination in our housing here. Those things need to be addressed. Long Island survives if we are able to keep who we continually invest in here. And those are kids who go through K through 12 in public school. It is Whatever the cost per pupil that you hear from the budget analyst, right. it's thirty-five thousand a year. Whatever it is, right. I, you know, right. I have problems with that number. But yep. just taking that, you know, the total budget and dividing by the number of pupils, you're spending more than a half a million dollars on every student, and they're taking that half million dollar education and they're leaving Long Island. You want to talk about a lost leader? That's a, yeah, uh, and that is something. Again, what we do. The, and we've been out talking to businesses, but the housing is huge and, and creating affordable housing. And maybe you could touch on that a little yeah. bit, you know? Yeah, affordable workforce, you know, however you want to call it. Housing is the largest expense probably in most people's lives, but to not be housing burdened, so not paying more than a third of your salary towards housing is important. Sure. 
disposable income is important. You bring up that level, everyone has to play catch up. So all other uh, items now are going to have this rising level because they need to pay more for their own lease, their own uh, mortgage, whatever it ends up being because housing continually is increasing. Right. To the point where it's no longer affordable for people. So, I, you know, Long Island, New York was always sort of a place of upward mobility. You know, that you could, you know, it's old saying, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. I think that's still true here. Mm -hmm. But it is year after year diminishing. It's hard to start from the bottom and go up when you have these cost issues, particularly related to housing. Sure. And some of the people we're talking about, and, and again, some of the challenges they have is you're sharing with young people that are coming out of college, they have student debt now, and it's a little overwhelming to them. And we yeah. really do need to help create that environment and, and that Yeah, most students are walking away with a mini mortgage of their own. You know, I think the average cost after aid is about 25000 a year for a private college. You know, you can still go to a state college, but you won't get any aid for it. But, you know, you're walking away with between 40000 to 120000 in debt just to pay for school, all right, that translates into a certain monthly payment that they need to pay down. So they're going to make choices based on that as well. We could do a future show on that too, probably. Yeah, right, exactly. And the impact of that, you know, you created the four pillars uh, with the IDA and the other part was the workforce development. So we, we look to do right. future shows on that. But I know that we're going to be doing a little bit of an initiative up front, uh, the deputy supervisor, Tony Martinez, has been a real advocate of workforce development yes. and making sure that we're out there and, and doing certain things. So, yes. again, maybe you can kind of touch base on that after you drop your cup. And, yeah. Uh, oh, no. here we go. He gets one in. You get one in, Tom. You're welcome. Uh, we want me to drop it again? Um, so, I think the four pillars are important, but the workforce development for us has been key. Right? That's what we've always been talking about. We are bringing in employers or trying to keep employers here, and we ask them all the time, what, what can we do to help you get the employees you need? Because it's a skilled workforce. Sure. Is it college? Is it technical school? What is it? Some have created apprentice programs that are undersubscribed, that they have gone to BOCES, and they've gone, you know, this is what we've heard. Right. Um, so workforce development for us has been a major issue. It's been something we've been focused on. And with uh, Deputy Supervisor Martinez's leadership, we're, we're continually working on that. Sure. I think the second thing is going back to the housing. They said, oh, it's great, you know, we, we've met what we need in terms of employees, but they can't afford to live here. Right. So they're making other choices because the housing cost is too much. Absolutely. Um, you know, I am on a credit union board and a few of the chief executives have come from out of state. And we know that one of the barriers to entry or, you know, one of the barriers to getting them here really is that it's a high cost of living. And they're weighing whether they should come or not based on what that cost of living is. Right. You know, again, we look at what COVID has done and changing some of the habits of right, people going into yeah. the workplace now, being able to work from home. You know, so you could live in Michigan and technically work for a company here. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you know, which could be a challenge for us as we look forward. But some of the things we've talked about recently, you know, as it relates to uh, workforce development is the new trends and what we are seeing. We, yeah. We've seen here a lot of e-commerce type Correct. companies. Correct. And, um, COVID is going to have an impact on whatever we discuss in the future. That's for sure. Yep. 
the, and the, the jury isn't out. The prognosticators can prognosticate all they want, but the jury isn't out. I think even in our small office, I've seen issues when you're disjointed. It's hard to create that environment, that culture that you want to instill in your employees. It's hard to train employees. It's hard to communicate over sure. the computer when you're sort of not with somebody. We're social beings to begin with, so it's very difficult to be sort of in your own home. And that also creates its own sort of environment of... You know, the kids are home, they're working on, they're doing schoolwork, the dog needs to be taken care of, you're trying to do your calls or, you know, respond to emails. So I think we all found what we had to do for the work for home stuff. And some people have embraced it and that's where they're going to go. And you've heard the spoken wheel model where they'll have a smaller headquarters now, maybe in the city and like sort of regional headquarters out so people can go. Um, and it will be more of a, you know, a workspace where you just visit for a few right. hours in your yep. home. Uh, whatever it ends up being, we'll respond to it. The reality is, though, residentially, there was a boom here. During COVID, people wanted to leave the city. They moved here. And in industrial space, the town of Babylon, like I said, has these major industrial parks. Sure. And we're seeing very little vacancy. Yeah. Uh, you know, yesterday we were out, and I was speaking with one of the developers where we were, and they're redoing and reconfiguring their office space right now. And I asked, right. how's that going? You know, because they're right. big on culture, and he goes, boy, the young people, I really feel bad for them because they're, they're kind of missing out on, you know, the relationship part of, yeah. of business yeah. and things. And, and I'm a bit really, antisocial, so I don't miss it that much. <laughs> I've been actually pretty happy during this whole COVID uh, You're thing. a little but, better than you give yourself yeah. credit for. But, um, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that's exactly yeah. what No, but saying. he was even talking about how they're going to configure their office. Right. You know, do you separate? Do you? And, and I guess in some ways what he was saying is COVID's not going to be forever. Yeah. But it did teach us some things, that's for sure. Yeah, you know, I think that's right. Um, so, industrial development. Uh, that is another one of the pillars, another one right. you did. You know, you just said about some of the obstacles we're facing, but what we do here. Maybe you could just, again, touch on the, the little bit of history that you've, you've always talked about and shared with us. Yeah, I think that the stock here, depending on the area, is mainly post-World War II. It's small uh, buildings on small lots with not much parking. Then you go to Deer Park, which developed like in the 70s. Um, it's larger buildings, more responsive to the needs at that time. And then you have New Horizons, which is the planned industrial park for Babylon. Mm -hmm. Landscaping, large parking, large buildings, uh, facades with recognizable doors and signage and sure it's when you drive down new horizons that's how we would like every industrial park in the town to look there's obviously a cost associated with that but that's what the idea is looking to do right it's not only interested in bringing in employment it's interested in keeping the buildings filled and getting investment into those buildings getting those buildings updated getting the stock updated sure so i think that the other issue with the industrial is you can't be reliant on one large employer everyone wants to bag that big right yeah. it's like big game hunting it's like yeah. what recognizable name can we get and pound our chest about that is not smart economic development what did grumman do it nearly sank long island when it pulled out sure the, you know the employment uh, fairchild was another one right? yeah Here's a computer one. associates right not too long ago they were here yeah. They're gone. So it's more about sustainable economic development, industrial development, someone who's going to come here and stay here, and that if there is any issue of movement, it doesn't have this large effect on the economy, right. and that we can definitely replace it if we work hard enough. Sure. Grumman, irreplaceable. 
No, absolutely. And part of, I think, an asset as you look at the town of Babylon, as we look at where we are, you know, you talked about those different areas that we have, but I tell you, we get a lot of people that, you know, we're right over the Nassau border. We sit on the South Shore of Long Island. We have good access. Yeah, to our taxes are cheaper. Yeah. If that's what everyone's, if that's what you're concerned about, the taxes let you are less say that. I was going to let you say yeah. that. But the town as a whole, I mean, this is a, it's a, it's a diverse. The heart of it all has it all. That's Babylon. right. That used to be the commercials. <laughs> we are centrally located. We are, you know, the 495 is a very small, you know, very, not, not too far away. Sunrise, another major artery, 110. The largest jobs corridor on Long Island to be split between us and Huntington. That's Babylon. Sure. But Babylon is also the best beaches on Long Island. Agreed. You know, Gilgo, known for surfing, Cedar. And no other town has that barrier beach like we have. Fire Island is privately owned mainly by different... Yeah. But this yeah. is public beaches for, for residents. Um, we have a great education system. We have one of the state universities here. We have a general, the largest general aviation airport in the state, Republic. You know, 500 uh, small engine planes take off there a day. Babylon has a lot to offer. It's an exciting place. It's, you know, it has its amenities and things you look for in terms of parks and, like I said, beaches. Sure. It has the educated workforce. It's centrally located in Long Island. It has one of the most aggressive IDAs, it has very cheap taxes, and we have the industrial stock. Right. And we embrace it. And the one thing that I hear from people who have been IDA clients when I was CEO and now is on the town side, you have an environment that is pro-business, pro-development, and if it's something that can't be done, they're going to tell you no up front. They're not going to bring you down the primrose path. They're not going to have you spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on lawyers and architects and all this stuff just to sort of say no. They know up front, this is not going to fly with residents. This is not something we're looking for. This is not the highest and best use. We're not going forward with it. No, and I've seen that firsthand. So. No, absolutely. The community development. We talked about the housing before. Mm. Uh, we also have, it's very unique as far as we have three villages uh, yep. here in the town. And our outreach, again, we talked a little bit about the Babylon is back, but some of the work that we're doing now and some of the things that we're seeing in these downtowns is is tremendous. You know, both in Amityville and Lindenhurst right now have yeah. gone through some big yeah. projects and what we're seeing. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, our three villages, and, and I think Copeg, you got included even though it's not a village. These are the four stops on the railroad. They are, I call them urban centers, but they're not, it's not like they're cities, but they're very, you know, dense, historical mm -hmm. Beautiful downtowns. Lindenhurst, it's Wellwood and Hoffman. In Amityville, it's Broadway, which is 110. Um, in Oak and in Babylon Village, you have Main Street, Deer Park Avenue, and some off of Park. And then Copeg is Great Neck. Mm -hmm. And you have the retail on the bottom. You have the apartments above and a mix. You know, some, some don't have that. But these downtowns contribute to the lifeblood sure. of the town. And that was a big part of why we did Babylon back we understood that these places need to be places this is why we live here so like you said Amityville and uh, Lindenhurst as well as Copeg have gone through revitalization efforts absolutely uh, by the independent villages and by the town that required rezoning it required greater density you're saying um, Tritech uh, is the big developer off of Hoffman and Lindenhurst it's a you know multi-residential unit and by the way this is also because of uh, the leadership of the village board, Mayor Lavarada before him, Mayor, Mayor yep. Brennan, and then uh, R.J. Renna, 
who's a trustee, they are constantly reaching out to folks to come and move to Lindenhurst. Mm -hmm. They're proud of the downtown. They want to see people there. And that tri-tech development, along with that leadership, has resulted in a boom, and I don't use that word often because I don't like it, of restaurants. Mm -hmm. And that's going to contribute to the nightlife. Wine Danch has been a magnificent project. It is a once-in-a-lifetime type of redevelopment. It has not driven this with the development we're seeing in Lindenhurst. Sure. Like the development you're seeing in Amityville. Like the development you're seeing in Copay. In Amityville, again, the leadership of Mayor Siri and his team, you're going to have Avalon Bay be building on the former Brunswick site that's been vacant for not, I don't think, a decade, but close to it. And it's the Very entrance close. of the village... It's a beautiful village, historic village. And again, you see that increase in restaurants because they know the foot traffic is coming. It's an exciting place to be. Copeg is really a special, you know, it's, it's a special place. Uh, it's very demographically diverse. Similar thing because of the leadership of Supervisor Schaefer and Deputy Supervisor Martinez. And as well as when he was Supervisor County Executive Ballone, they had this vision for Copeg. Uh, Copeg's where I grew up. And I can tell you how that place has done a 180-degree change. Oh, agreed. The Little League used to march down for their parade, Great Neck, to go down to Tanner Park, which is one of the most beautiful parks on Long Island. Great fields, great playgrounds, dog runs. There's a, there's a bar down there. Entertainment. Right? You have a bay park, the band shell. But you know, going back to the downtown, it is six development projects now. Right. Which are probably, this is probably the end of all that development. Um, and there was probably one of the best economic development projects in a downtown. A developer sponsored, as part of a community benefit program, a developer sponsored facade improvement program where we're lifting all the boats at once. We're creating a revolving loan fund program where owners of businesses can get access to money at a zero percent rate if they come up with three quarters of it right so we gave out 25 percent twenty five thousand dollar loans if someone came up with seventy five thousand and they invested a hundred thousand dollars into their building new windows new brick paint the area has come up and as a result new businesses there's people on the street it's active and then the town came along with money from the state and money from the county and redid the parks mm -hmm. in the downtown itself. Sure. And erected the uh, statue for the World War One yeah. veterans. Yeah. And took the cor that corner on Oak and redid it. And in conjunction with the town, you have the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, Sharon Federus and her team, they're working hard every day to bring that community up. That's where they live. It's a hometown pride thing. There's a lot of it, yep. And... Uh, you know, we support those efforts as best we can, you know, when we can. Sure. And, and I, looking at the uh, facade program, you're talking about the community benefit and these developers, when they come in and they give back to the community, that is a model that, you know, we can talk about in the future on future episodes yeah. again. Because I think people, if they had an understanding of how this works and the success that it's right. had and what it's created, again, partnering, yeah. investing, creating, right? It's probably the best tagline. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty memorable, number one. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, 
Now, this is why you were on here for the first episode. Yeah. These little out Get the kinks out, you know. That's it. Work with you. Um, Keep you humble. You got a podcast now, Tom. You're big time. But all things related, again, to the local economy, we're really looking forward to this whole program, economically speaking. We're excited about this. We're excited about the future guests that we're going to have. We will hope that you'll come back and kind of bust on me a little more in the of future. Of course. And share, give us some uh, insight as to some of the other things that are going on. even wave my speaking fees. <laughs> but Matt, again, thank you so much for being here. This has been a great kickoff, a great start to this program. Uh, I don't know if there's anything you want to add before we kind of sign out. It's been a good time, Tom. That's all I can say. Uh, uh, so ladies and gentlemen, and all my people out in podcast land, I want to thank you again for uh, tuning in for our first episode Again, my name is Tom Dolan, CEO of the Town of Babylon IBA. I was here with Matt McDonough, my friend and former CEO. Oh, here we go with the friends. Uh, as we again, kick huh? off, okay. economically speaking, <laughs> have a good day, everyone. This episode of Economically Speaking was brought to you by the Town of Babylon IBA. For additional information and to find out how to stay connected, like us on our Facebook page at Town of Babylon IDA, as well as our website, BabylonIDA.org, where you can subscribe to our email listing and find links to our latest episodes and newsletters.